0: Coming up on life as a festival.
1: Are you at all scared of getting this disease? Um, no. no. I'm excited for the opportunity. This is a great opportunity to do something new, to do something different. I have made this part of my career rapidly deploying medical systems in remote austere environments, not unlike emergency situations. And this is a tremendous opportunity to implement the things that I have learned into practice. Whether that's going to be me just doing my job in a hospital, working the front lines there, or doing it in a slightly different, slightly more outside-the-box way will be determined. But the things that I have learned from doing festival medicine um, have informed every aspect of my practice, and I'm excited at the opportunity to utilize those in a different way.
0: My name is Eamon Armstrong, and this is Life is a Festival. This podcast is a celebration of thinkers and leaders who live their lives with the open hearted, experimental joy of a festival. Each week, we converse in complete openness in an ongoing quest to find those boundaries in our being and melt them into lofty horizons. Life is a festival, only to the wise. Well, my friends, God, it is a wild time. This is a crazy, unprecedented pandemic in the world. And what are we to do? Well, stay home. What a strange thing that is, though. You know, there's a huge crisis going on. And here we are in our homes, trying to entertain ourselves and not go stir crazy. If we're lucky, if we're lucky to have homes, if we're lucky to be well-resourced enough that our boredom is the The most of our concerns. There are a lot of people out there who need our support and foremost amongst them are medical professionals. Today on the show I'm interviewing Richard Gottlieb aka Wolverine. Wolverine runs RGX Medical and RGX Medical does festival medicine at 30 to 40 festivals per year and I figured in the vibe of the show what a wonderful medical professional to speak to. On the show, we weave in and out of the coronavirus conversation. We talk about Wolverine's experience with Festival Medical, how he got into doing that work, how he takes a harm reduction approach. You know, harm reduction, it's like what the Zendo Project does, which is basically non judgmental, compassionate care. So there's that aspect of the conversation. And of course, we can't help but stray time and time again into talk of COVID and what we should be doing. Well, the main thing we can be doing is. Staying at home, washing our hands, and taking care of ourselves. And that means not injuring ourselves and not putting more of a burden on the healthcare system and understanding when we do need to reach out to the healthcare system. It also means taking care of our mental health, which is a huge issue right now in terms of people spending a lot of time at home and things coming up that they need to talk about. We need to take care of ourselves and we need to take care of those around us. And that's a huge topic of the conversation today. We talk a little bit about personal protective equipment, which as you've probably been paying attention, um, hospitals, doctors, nurses, people need this personal protective equipment. And if you go to Burning Man, you may actually have some dust masks lying around. Not dusty dust masks, because that's not helping anyone. But if you have in the package N95 respirator masks, Burners Without Borders is doing a drive to collect them. That's in the show notes. Tim Ferriss did a great episode on his podcast about supporting healthcare professionals. So I'll put a a link in the show notes to that. But foremost, what Wolverine says is that we just need to stay in place and we need to take care of ourselves. In addition to calming my nerves about COVID and making me feel more empowered By sitting on my couch. Wolverine is an affable, interesting man who's dedicated over 10 years supporting festival attendees in their journeys of personal discovery if they might find their way in the medical tent, which I actually did once. I'll tell you about it on the show. Anyway, without further ado, in these trying times, here is the capable Wolverine. wolverine welcome to my howdy show. there it's a pleasure to be here how, for how long have you been called wolverine
1: the initial nickname got stuck on me uh burning
0: man 2003 2000 somewhere on there
1: it was that or richard number three in my camp i was given those choices
0: why wolverine it was a playa name
1: uh, yeah, I started as a name. Just my facial hair naturally grows into mutton chops that look like the Wolverine character. And so that was what was given me as an option.
0: That was in uh, early 2000s that you yeah, became Wolverine. And, and do you use Wolverine professionally when you're when you're signing up on these festivals to do medical stuff? Are you Wolverine in that context? Or are you Richard Gottlieb? Both. Uh,
1: Wolverine oftentimes is a radio handle. But at a certain point i realized that a bunch of people had no clue who richard was but everyone seems to know who the wolverine guy is so i guess it's a uh, a character of sorts
0: i like wolverine for you and it you know what? i like wolverine because and maybe it's the association with the x men but there's something about that nickname that feels capable to me it feels like someone who is able to do something that needs to be done like oh well we'll g- get Wolverine in here he'll he like he'll take care of it and i like that for someone who's responsible for medical at festivals
1: yeah absolutely it's it's uh it took me a long time to be okay with it i was really resistant uh to it for many years cuz it's not like a humorous self-deprecating nickname like drunken bob or silly susan or something but it got stuck on me and I really couldn't escape it and eventually just gave in and said okay that works
0: I don't want drunken Bob or silly Susan (laughs) to help me when I've injured myself at a festival those are exactly the people I don't want is silly Susan (laughs) and drunken Bob I feel like they're the type of people who are going to end up in the medical tent (laughs) Uh, I've met quite a few of them a lot of silly Susans a lot of drunken Bobs I, I actually, when I was doing Zendo, speaking of drunken bobs, the times that I've done Zendo, I've noticed that the combination of psychedelics and alcohol seems to be the one with the most, shall I say, bombastic guests. <laughs> the most sort of like wild and energetic people in the Zendo tent are I've noticed are people who are a bit, bit of the drunken bobs.
1: Alcohol certainly carries with it some disinhibition, which certainly adds some emphasis to those interactions.
0: So before we get into talking about you and Festival Medical generally, we're recording this on March 25th, and yes. we are in the beginning of an unprecedented medical crisis. And so just to start, I just want to check in with you. It's a it's a medical and economic crisis, and I know affecting your business. Um, it's huge. How are you doing doing well
1: spending a lot of time holding space for our community needless to say all festivals up in the upcoming future for at least the next six months are either canceled or postponed so certainly that has changed the emphasis of my time and so I know I'm spending a lot of time working with community support and making sure people have access to resources connecting folks yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of work to be done you said holding space for the
0: community what does that mean
1: There are a lot of folks out there right now who are having a difficult experience surrounding the impact of COVID, the impact of the economic crisis, the impact of everything surrounding this, what social distancing looks like emotionally and spiritually for everybody. And that's a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy that sometimes needs an opportunity to, sometimes people need to break down a little bit. And I'm happy to be one of those available resources for folks.
0: Will you at any point be contributing in a medical capacity to the covid response?
1: Yes, most certainly. There's a number of things that are coming up. Right now things are moving and changing so fast that what exactly that's going to look like will be decided in the course of the next couple of days.
0: And what is your background in terms of medical training? Obviously you've been running festival medical for a number of years. As a medical professional, what do we call you? Are you Dr. Wolverine? I am not. I am a a EMT
1: as well as a nurse. I think I originally got my EMT in, if I recall, 2007. So it's been a while now.
0: Who is on the front lines of this particular medical crisis and what roles are they in? So what role would you potentially be in if you are supporting this healthcare system?
1: There are a lot of possible roles. EMTs and paramedics work in the pre-hospital system. So primarily, That's most commonly on ambulances, but in a variety of different settings, whereas nurses, physicians are more commonly directly in a hospital setting. There are a lot of different ways that people work and contribute and specifically surrounding COVID and the medical response to it. There's a lot of opportunity for people to work outside of their normal context. I'm already aware of the EMS system in California putting out some calls for EMTs and paramedics to work in COVID testing centers. So there's been a lot of, of outreach for people who are maybe not working in who are not working in the very traditional sense are suddenly being called to do things that are outside of their norm. It's a great opportunity for people to contribute in different ways.
0: So I got my Wilderness First Responder certificate just a month ago. Thank you. It was an invitation from Jamie Wheel on this show. He said, if you want a transformative experience, do a Wilderness First Responder. So that's 10 days of wilderness medicine. With that certificate, am I able to contribute in some way? Are they calling out for woofers? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The first thing is community. There's a lot of folks out there who don't have just that basic training in first aid and you've got some great training that you can help utilize and teach with to try and spread and share that knowledge I was I was having having dinner uh, probably a week or two ago maybe two weeks ago now with a good friend of mine who's a physician and she was getting phone calls and taking phone calls the entire time with friends and family members and just trying to provide them some support and education around what does and does not make sense. And I was getting phone calls and text messages at the same time. Yeah, your woofer training gives you the opportunity to provide support to the people around you. Based on the current progression of things, unlikely that you would, with woofer training, be like, you're not going to be performing surgery. Surgeons perform surgery. But there are lots of ways that you're going to be utilizing that coming up.
0: When Jamie first encouraged me to do the Wilderness First Responder training, one of the reasons that he suggested it was that if we have a couple major crises in this country, we're not going to get the health care that we need. If, you know, you have a flood, you have an earthquake, you have an attack, That if you have a bunch of things together, everybody's going to be all wound up in that. And and if something goes wrong in your life or with the people around you, it's good to have basic medical training. And so right now, as we're looking at the potential for an overburdened healthcare system, um, already what's going on, this is on the 25th, already what's happening in New York, and I think we can anticipate something similar around the country. It's I think it's valuable to know how to handle basic medical issues around you because those ambulances are not gonna be able to come as quickly if the hospitals are overrun.
1: Self-care is, is the, the top priority, is taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. And, and you know, you've know got everyone's got basic first aid kits laying around, everyone's got Band-Aids and Neosporin. Having a support network around you is also a really important thing too. Making sure that you have all of those things set. The impact of COVID is not just the number of people who are being treated for pneumonia, It's people are being taken up, healthcare providers are being taken up, treating more and more patients, and there's less space in the system for other folks who are just having standard medical stuff go
0: on. One of the reasons that Jamie was suggesting doing this was also just the situational awareness that you develop once you have some medical training and your ability to kind of look at danger around you and actually avoid hurting yourself, which I think is actually something for the people listening right now that would be really valuable is like how do we make sure that we don't hurt ourselves right now in this time when the healthcare system is overburdened a woman named katrina breeze asked me to ask you, because her experience with Hurricane Katrina, um, she lives in New Orleans and took her namesake from that hurricane, was that there was an absolute epidemic of people stepping on nails and falling off ladders, and that our ability to not hurt ourselves is a huge part of what this situation calls for.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, accidents happen. It's the nature of things. Don't panic. Um, don't panic. That's the number one thing. If you are experiencing a medical emergency, you're experiencing chest pain, difficulty breathing, those sorts of things, the correct thing to do is call 911. If you step on a nail, 911 doesn't need to be your first response. And if it's appropriate for something like that to
0: be followed up with, you know, you could certainly do that through urgent care, not through calling an ambulance. That's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you today is about, for those of us who have very little, or no medical training, what should we be aware of in terms of our relationship to the healthcare system? What can we do to be most helpful as we're taking care of ourselves? Again, it's it's taking care of ourselves and taking
1: care of each other, and trying to make sure that we are all in a grounded space and that we can react to things in a calm, and intentional way to the best of our abilities or to support others in doing so. It's it's the best thing you can do for yourself. It's the best thing to, you can do for your friends, your family, your community, and for the entire healthcare system.
0: When did you first get involved in doing medical stuff for festivals? I, you know,
1: I just started volunteering around you know over ten years ago. Now there was opportunities to help out, and you know it seemed like an interesting thing to do. I didn't have a significant amount of festival experience prior to being involved in this capacity. And so I just got grabbed by friends and said, hey, you should come out to this festival. I said, sure, that sounds great. And I went out and then my friends went and said, great, we've had a real long weekend. We're going to go take a nap and then spent the rest of the day sleeping. I wandered around, stopped by the first aid tent and uh, said, do you folks need any help with anything? And they said, yeah, yeah, we, we could actually really use help. And they said, get behind the table, start start putting on band-aids. And uh, 45 minutes later, the gentleman who was there at that at that table said, I'm going to go take a nap in that uh, hammock back there. Let me let me know if you need anything. And I found myself doing first aid and did it through the rest of the night into the next day, had a lot of fun and said, I'd like to do this more. So I started volunteering for festivals somewhat regularly. And the more I did it, the uh, more I loved it. And so I just kept doing it.
0: What was that first festival? Uh, Lightning in a Bottle. Uh, Lightning in a Bottle, yeah. And when did you start leading Festival Medical? When did you turn this into a business and start doing it yourself?
1: It's been a progressive process over time. What started out as just me showing up to festivals, like getting handed a radio and just being on call 24-7 for a couple days, uh, and just running all the calls. Transitioned into producers asking me to assist them in organizing medical, and then me saying, Well, you know, we're going to need a budget for supplies. And that was no problem. And then starting to organize and, and meet and uh, connect with medical providers in the community, as well as connect with medical providers who are outside of the festival community, had never been to a festival before. And saying, "Hey, do you folks want to come volunteer for this thing?" It's kind of like a marathon. Like they've got little like first aid tents at marathons, and they like hand out water bottles to the runners. It's like that, but you have to camp. And both you know EMTs and paramedics and ambulances and nurses and doctors and hospitals said that sounds fun, and came out and showed up on a Thursday or a Friday, looked around at a festival and were like, "What is this?" And by Sunday night, they were like, "When's the next one?" So I grew and had more and more people in the community who wanted to do this and I just love doing it. You know, my background was working in hotels and hotel management, hospitality management. So this was a transition from that. It just was a fun hobby for a long time. And then I realized I should put my energy towards the thing that I love doing. This thing is making me really happy.
0: And so were you trained as an EMT and a nurse before you started and were you practicing or was that something that came along the way?
1: I was trained as an EMT before I started and did medicine in a number of different settings, um, including doing things like ski patrol as well and doing out-of-bounds rescue and wilderness medicine. I became an RN after I had already started doing this. So my training as a registered nurse was was a more conventional training, but then rapidly got to be able to be applied in this context, and I think it's a really good one. Nursing tends to look at health and wellness from a more holistic perspective than the medical model. And that's what it looks like at these festivals. How many medical emergency, like quick, rapid ambulance, like flashing lights, sirens, how often do we really need that at festivals? There are not that many real medical emergencies that happen at festivals. As a matter of fact, compared to the proportion of population in a small town, on an average day adjusted for age demographics. Festivals, generally speaking, are actually have fewer medical emergencies than a normal town equivalent. But a lot of the stuff that happens in festival medical tents is, you know, like urgent care or like a community clinic. There are a lot of folks in our community who don't have health insurance and haven't seen a medical provider in five, 10 long, years longer than that. And um, so when folks come into the tent, this is oftentimes their only interface with a medical provider Sometimes for years. Um, It's really good to
0: be able to do that. That's really interesting. And I actually, I knew I'd heard it quoted that Burning Man, for example, has less medical issues than a comparable town. But I've always, it seems strange to me because it seems like at a festival, there's so much potential for harming oneself, you know, climbing on things and uh, taking substances and dancing in the heat without enough water. It seems like there's more opportunities to potentially harm yourself at a festival.
1: There are tremendous opportunities to harm yourself at a festival, but really going through day-to-day life, and the majority of broken wrists that I've seen just throughout my career have because someone was playing with their nephews on a chair and fell off. You know, broken bones are more often normal day to day things than someone was doing something intense, doing something like ski patrol. You know, you're going to see a lot of big long bone trauma that you wouldn't see in the normal world. But, you know, people hurt themselves just doing normal stuff. I think festivals uh, are a context where people get to play and have fun. And, you know, I think that Fate shines down on us just a little bit. We get away with a lot of stuff and still seem to be okay.
0: Have you yourself ever landed in the festival medical tent?
1: Uh, a few things. I not that long ago got my ankle crushed pretty good with the uh, on a golf cart <laughs> running running on an emergency call. Uh, but somehow I've been pretty lucky.
0: Uh, I have ended up in the festival medical tent once. And it was the result of a very amateur experience of taking an unknown quantity of a substance I was not familiar with. And I ended up on my back on the dance floor, unable to tell the people leaning over me where I was or what I was doing. And it was actually kind of hilarious. They actually backed the golf cart onto the dance floor. And it was a pretty small (laughs) dance floor. And it was like in my mind's eye i i see like the humor of this like beep 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 little golf cart <laughs> kind of backing up and i arrived i arrived in the medical tent and i had already kind of had my you know wits about me by that point it was uh and i just remember being like just don't tell anyone that i ended up here just just being like extremely embarrassed that in all my time of partying that i did something foolish and Took too much of something I should not have taken and and I ended up there and I felt very embarrassed about it
1: An important thing to remember is that a festival medical tent is a safe space and it should be a safe space Certainly ones that we at RJX medical provide It is a judgment-free space in which you can come and talk about whatever is going on with you And you will be treated with love and care and compassion And you don't need to worry about oh, no are they cops are they out to get like we're here to take care of you and to provide whatever support you need and that's it without judgment harm reduction is an incredibly important part of what I do and there are a lot of different people's definitions of what harm reduction means for me it's just that it's just non-judgmental compassionate care that's what that means and I think it's a really important part of not just festival medicine it should be all medicine. It's really good to be able to implement that in the context of festivals. It feels good.
0: Yeah, I've volunteered with the Zendo for a number of years and I love the Zendo Project. What's been your involvement with the Zendo Project? And this is psychedelic peer support for the listener who may not be familiar.
1: I have known the founders of the Zendo Project since its inception and we've worked together very closely at many, many festivals um, over the course of years. They're great folks and they're doing really good work.
0: And you're also involved with DanceSafe as well, which is another harm reduction organization. What's your role with them? I am on their advisory council.
1: And also, again, I've worked closely with DanceSafe for a number of years. They provide some incredibly important education for festival goers. And their role in festivals is a really, really important one for just keeping everybody safe.
0: So now you have an organization, and you are doing how many festivals a year?
1: Uh, it's somewhere between twenty and thirty, depending. Though this year will probably be quite a few, quite a few less. Have you
0: Have you done any so far this year before things kind of shifted? Or, Gem and Jam in Tucson, Arizona, oh, yeah. in January. That one got in right before yep, everything just closed before down. You know, f- for a lot of festivals and a lot of organizations that work with festivals. Th- they're banking on a a once-a-year payday. And with this year, I think we'll see a lot of them actually end up having to close down.
1: I I believe that we will survive this. It's a rough hit. There's a lot of community support for artists, and there should be more. Both festival producers, people working in festivals, and the artists that make festivals happen. All of those folks are taking a a really hard hit right now. We need to work together to support each other to make
0: it through this. this. This too shall end. Wise words. How are how are you um, responding to this downturn professionally? What's your plan? What are you? How are you taking care of yourself?
1: Mobilizing my efforts and resources towards providing support for both medical care in the community as well as things directly related to COVID. It is still to be determined. The vast majority of care providers within RJX Medical are currently actively working in the healthcare system and. There's not a whole lot of downtime amongst them. For those that are people who maybe have medical certification, but that's not their full-time job, some of those folks are transitioning back into medicine, and I'm facilitating that for people when possible. What does that mean?
0: What does that mean to facilitate people moving back into medicine?
1: I'm attempting to connect current jobs and current employers in the medical field with medical professionals who are working outside of medicine right now. So finding job openings and passing those on to people who are looking to work back in medicine again.
0: And, and how are you managing, what is your plan in terms of managing economically considering that all of these festivals are canceled or postponed and so obviously you won't be able to work at them. What's your plan?
1: still to be determined for for rgx you know effectively all contracts are just went to zero so that puts an onus on me to find income in other places i don't know if that's going to be from a more conventional hospital nursing standpoint or something else we're just at the point where i'm finishing up a lot of the conversations with festival producers about planning for the shutdown and we're not yet having the conversation for the reopening part. So there's a lot of opportunity. I don't know yet. What do you think?
0: <laughs> what do I think? What, you know, I it's an interesting time because so many people are looking for alternatives. You know, I saw 30% as a number quoted for the potential unemployment rate for the spring. I think, you know, for you with medical training and a medical background there's definitely there's a need you know if you you know i'm 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 certain that they are going to be wanting more people who have a medical background in hospitals or in potential testing sites when those get up and running
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm lucky that i have a skill set which has increasing relevance right now there are a lot of artists that are really hard hit right now because there's not a lot of context. And a lot of that is moving over to online stuff, be it flow gatherings with people all Skyping in, being that artists that are doing visual arts. There's a lot of transition to that format. And it's great that we have that opportunity. But these folks all are struggling to pay their rent right now.
0: It's such a sudden shift because everyone's at home and people obviously would like to be entertained, but there's such a glut of content, you know, suddenly there's a live stream going on all the time from everybody. So whereas you wouldn't be able to see Monolink play in Berlin, now suddenly Berlin is here right now. And so, <laughs> you know, everybody's got a yoga class, everybody's got a podcast, everybody's got everybody's got something that is being pushed out and it's going to be really interesting to see the way that people consume Art and content in the the vacancy of events. It's a really fascinating time, and I'm not sure how long it's going to last. But it's really interesting, like how people will adjust, and I'm curious as to how people's habits will shift permanently. For me, I'm hoping that my habit of cooking for myself is going to stick, and I'm going to cook for myself more. But you know, there may yeah, be yeah, feeding l- myself you
1: know. is definitely in the top of like here's a learning opportunity. Now that I'm out at festivals, you know, going 24-7, just eating whatever's available, I should probably do a better job of cooking. I just signed up for a friend of mine is a Pilates instructor and is teaching online Pilates classes. So I'm gonna take my first Pilates class.
0: Oh nice. That's great. Have you are you a part of some kind of community support online spaces for like mental health and for connection? Are you are you connected with any kind of groups or are people just getting together on the subjects of mental health and and wanting to be more connected online right now there are a number of smaller ones
1: that i'm involved with a lot of my communication right now has been very directly with individuals and small groups and not part of just just limited time resource it's been a whole lot of phone calls one-on-one there are some a few groups that are developing homemade medical devices that i have some involvement with currently there is a insufficient amount of ppe personal protective equipment Available to healthcare providers. And so there are some communities out there that are helping develop PPE and create it and distribute it out to healthcare providers outside of the traditional means. So I'm working with that quite a bit, but I haven't yet hopped in on some of the larger mental health community discussions. I would like to very much. Again, yeah, we're still days and weeks into this. And so things are
0: changing not just
1: day by day, but hour by hour.
0: Yeah, the the burners mobilizing for PPE has been a nice thing to see. Um, I camp with Burners Without Borders and Christopher Breedlove has been, you know, helping to facilitate the collection of like N95 masks, um, which I have some unopened N95 masks, which I shall be donating. And uh, it feels good to be able to contribute something, but it does also feel like the numbers, the potential numbers of people who are going to need support are so enormous, and our shortfall in terms of what we need to support them is so vast. It it feels good to donate my, you know, six unopened and ninety five masks, but it's you know it feels like such a drop in the bucket in the situation. Oh, like this. every
1: little bit counts. Every little bit counts. I'm currently collecting some of that PPE and making sure that it's distributed to some of the medical staff and RGX who are currently working for major ambulance companies and are not being provided PPE by the ambulance company because the ambulance company can't get a hold of it. So even if it's just one at a time, if I can get one N95 to someone and one N95 to another, that's at least an opportunity for folks who run a 911 response right now and they don't have the stuff they
0: need to protect themselves. Yeah, there's actually one of many sirens just went by outside my home. I'm close to a fire station and it's so interesting here in San Francisco. It's very quiet and there are constant sirens. The pandemic is an odd experience to live through. How are some other ways that people can support Medical health workers here. You know the P- collecting PPE that's relevant, going through an organization like Burns Without Borders to donate it. So you're not just showing up at hospitals with a bag of dusty gloves or whatever. You know, and like mm-hmm. you're actually going through a group like Burns Without Borders. Are, what other ways can we be supporting healthcare workers right now?
1: I still think the number one way to support healthcare workers is taking care of yourself. Taking care of yourself is the best thing you can do right now. Yeah, creating whatever space you can in the medical system by not ending up in the medical system and not doing so unnecessarily just by just good sanitation habits, making sure that you're washing your hands regularly, making sure that you're it is likely that there are many, many folks out there who currently have been exposed to COVID-19 to the coronavirus and are currently asymptomatic. And so, just because you feel fine does not mean that there is not the potential that you have had exposure, and that you might be able to accidentally pass on pass that on to somebody. So, just keeping in mind that that might be the case, and washing your hands not just to protect yourself, but also to protect other folks, you know, so you're not accidentally spreading it on.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of folks who are regular festival attendees tend to be a little younger, as far as demographics are concerned, and kind of feel a little invincible in the face of this thing which from what i've heard is not the case is that you know there are outliers who of various ages who are getting this and 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 having a, a severe reaction to it but also you know carriers end up being pretty powerful vectors and so that's why we've been we've been socially distancing and have you how long have you been quarantined
1: I mean, probably what's roughly two weeks now, roughly. Yeah.
0: How, how have you been handling the quarantine? What do you what do you spend your time doing?
1: You know, I have I have not stopped moving. I'm on phone calls for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Phone calls and conference calls and, you know, helping people figure out what they're going to do. It's a great opportunity to or organize all of my inventory. <laughs> I was geared up and had acquired all the medical supplies for the upcoming festival season, and <clears throat> now I'm sitting on that. So organizing that stuff, and I'm donating a lot of that stuff as well, and making sure it gets distributed appropriately. That's been a, a lot of my time.
0: Do you, whilst in quarantine, reminisce about some of your favorite festival medical moments? Stories are told
1: frequently around these parts about exciting things that have happened. I spent eight years running medical for Envision in Costa Rica. All sorts of craziness has happened out in the middle of the Costa Rican jungle. You know, many, many years as a medical supervisor for Burning Man for the Black Rock City Emergency Services Department. You know, from Symbiosis to Desert Hearts to Utopia, there's a a whole lot of different really amazing parties. I don't know if one specific one comes in mind, but the people that we get to interact with are incredible. The festival community is is, uh, colorful and interesting and exciting and brilliant and is full of powerful people who are making change in the world and uh, sometimes find themselves in questionable and precarious positions.
0: Yeah, yeah, like when that golf cart had to back up onto the dance floor to pick me up. That was a precarious position. Any weird stuff that you that you recall in your in your journeys? Anything that was like, how on earth did that person do that to themselves?
1: Humorous, humorous things that I've run into.
0: You know, I mean, there's people falling off of trees that
1: I don't even know how they climbed into that tree. I remember one gentleman who uh, was... Slack line walking over a very large ditch at a party and fell and broke his arm and I you know facilitated getting him to the hospital and the next night ran into him you know wearing a sling over his broken arm slacklining over the same ditch I was like hey kid please save me the work <laughs> maybe you can consider
0: something else right now <laughs> people people think they're invincible you know that's the, that's kind of the nature of being young as you're like well i i fell off that means i need to get back on and do it right now yeah
1: i sometimes i mean being young allows your body to handle things it allows your body to recover and heal quickly i i oftentimes say that people are concerned about festivals with younger crowds and they're like oh those young kids acting irresponsibly like they're invincible and my experience has been one of the most dangerous things that Sometimes happens is people taking drugs Over the age of 40 Just the nature of your body You know, you get older, your body is less capable Of handling things as it once was And those folks sometimes run into Consequences um, where things that they maybe Did when they were 20 or 30 Suddenly when they're 40, 50 Have consequences
0: Yeah, Yeah, we, you know you You have to accept the slowdown The party all night many nights in a row tends to take a bigger and bigger toll on you as you get older. I definitely can't party like I used to, but that's fine cuz my life is full of other wonderful things. What's what's the most valuable thing that you've learned as a medical professional in the festival world?
1: Over the course of my time doing this, I initially got interested in this. The initial appeal was the, you know, like more adrenaline-based like dealing with emergencies like Panic. I find myself in my flow state when there's, you know, six emergencies going on and like fires happening everywhere, metaphorically speaking. And and I say, you know, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. I'll be doing this. I'll be here if you need anything. Does anyone any questions? We're good. Like in, in times of panic, my natural response is just everything slows down and becomes really easy for me. So the initial appeal was just just all of the interesting, exciting things happen. Over the course of time, as things have changed, what has kept me involved in this is the transition from as I've learned more and had more formal education, more experience surrounding emergency medicine, I've realized that mental health is infinitely more complex than the, than the human body. And the mind and the body are the same thing. It is a false dichotomy. You are one and understanding really just you know that the psych component of every physical ailment there are somatic representations of trauma that manifest themselves constantly in every human being in every life and those things are real people hear the phrase psychosomatic illness and think that that somehow is a fake illness or not real no that's that is just as real as something that is because you 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 fell off of a thing pain experienced as a physical sensation can be from a direct physical injury or from uh, trauma that's stored in the body and comes out and pain is pain existential pain is you know not that different from physical pain and trying to treat patients as a whole person that is fascinating and complex and pulls me in more and more every time. Uh, I keep coming back for more of it. And the more I learn, the more I learn there is to learn.
0: I love that part of it. You know, this is quite timely for me because I am currently reading The Body Keeps the Score. You familiar with this book? Yes, that's a great book. Bessel van der Kolk. Um, thinking a lot about somatic representation of psychological ailments. And a somatic representation, does that just mean in the body? What does it exactly mean, somatic?
1: My understanding is, it is a physical manifestation. Somatic pain would be a physical manifestation of pain that is embedded more deeply in the psyche,
0: or one could argue, embedded in the body but of psychological origin. Over this weekend, I felt a tightness in my chest, and I felt kind of a shortness of breath. And I didn't, I don't, didn't have a fever, and I didn't have any other symptoms. And I think it was. Some form of anxiety around this whole COVID situation. I think a lot of people suspect that they may have COVID symptoms because it's such a terrifying thing, and that there is a somatic representation of these symptoms in your body. Yeah, um, I, I've
1: I've had the opportunity to see some pretty incredible things. I've worked extensively with a uh, ketamine clinic in Los Angeles, and you know, IV ketamine for depression as well as IV ketamine for pain for complex regional pain syndrome also known as RSD which is reflex sympathetic dystrophy is an incredibly powerful tool. I have had the opportunity to witness someone who had phantom limb syndrome.
0: That's when Um, you get an amputation and then you then you're feeling pain from where the limb used to be.
1: Exactly and that pain is very very real and by way of IV ketamine treatments we're able to experience a pain-free existence for the first time in 15 years. Things like that are really powerful.
0: Wow. Yeah, the issue of psychosomatic pain and illness is an interesting one in a climate of sort of global anxiety. So here we are wanting to not burden the healthcare system. And at the same time, we're potentially going to experience... Um, unprecedented levels of mental health issues just with this quarantine situation. You know, people being stuck in the home of a um, abusive partner, for example. People with depression and anxiety being exacerbated by, you know, this constant maelstrom of Twitter news, you know, these escalating numbers of of sick and dying. This is an unprecedented mental health crisis and we need to be there to support others at the same time that our healthcare system in itself is is burdened so how can we best show up for each other's mental health during this period of quarantine self-care take care of
1: yourself for those familiar with meditation meditation is an incredible practice and is something that is truly powerful under these circumstances i've done vipassana which is essentially like a 10-day a, a silent meditation course. Where'd you do yours? Uh, 29 Palms, Joshua Tree. Yeah. Though they do, do it there. all over the world, and it's the same course all over the world. It costs nothing. Um, you know, there's oftentimes a little bit of a waiting list, and right now I'm, they're not doing it for the obvious reasons. But any meditation practice, they're great apps on your phone. People oftentimes try meditation and they're like, oh, meditation's not for me. I found this to be somewhat unpleasant. I I I too find it to be unpleasant. Much like you know, lifting weights or working out, you're 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 exercising the muscles of your brain. The um, benefit is oftentimes not the experience of doing the thing, but the results of it. Individually, meditation is really powerful that helps us be more grounded in our responses to others. If you are experiencing suicidal ideation. You should get on the phone call there is a suicide hotline. there is websites where people will chat with you and that is an okay thing to call 911 for. take care of yourself right There's a tremendous number of the all the people who are currently out of work. I know quite a few therapists and all of them are definitely working right now. you know oftentimes it's you know doing remote therapy. Consider the possibility of starting therapy if you're not already. That might be a really good thing that will not just help you take care of yourself, but again, take care of your family and your loved ones as well.
0: Yeah, I've been really focusing on what my self-care regimen looks like. And I have a morning routine. I did a podcast talking about my morning routine. I think that's a great way of bringing structure, um, and that includes meditation. Uh, Yoga is so good for me. I'm seeing a therapist weekly over Skype, you know, but seeing a therapist weekly. A big one that I did is I enacted my phone's limitations on social media, and I am committed to sticking to them right now. I second that. Right now is a bad time to just be curled up in your home scrolling, especially, I think, twitter with these hashtags of gloom and doom and it's a it's a bad time to be aimlessly scrolling it's a good time to connect with others digitally and there's ways to do that but i think the aimless scrolling can really take its toll and granted there's no fomo now because no one's doing anything so fomo is not present but there's certainly envy about other people's lives and there's certainly just the feeling of what happens to your nervous system when you have that variegated reward system of of social media validation that's something i think to to take space from and you know garden and i adopted a cat that's one of one of my techniques i've i've used and as you were saying helping other people helping other people is huge so i i set up on calendly I set up two hours a day on Monday through Friday where uh, friends and members of my community can make an appointment and talk to me. So I'm getting people who, um, friends of mine who haven't talked to in a while, who are making appointments. And so I'm kind of being there for them, which is actually allowing me to be there for myself in a way. So. Us all supporting each other, I think, is a huge part of the mental health piece, and it makes us feel more connected. You know, the entire world is having an experience right now. And so if we can support each other, I think that's one of the keys.
1: Setting up regular
0: check-ins
1: with loved ones is an excellent way of doing that. And, you know, unplug from the social media. Anytime someone comes up with a new number, a new statistic every day, any media outlet is going to grab onto that thing and create a story surrounding it regardless of what that number is and try and make that pop to the top of the page and it gives the feeling of like there's some immediacy of this information that you need to have there is important information um you can get it from the cdc and there are other media outlets that are providing good information but go camping you know, this is an amazing time to go camping. Don't go to a populous area. Go to a less populous area. Make sure you bring the things with you you need to take care of yourself under those circumstances. But this is a great time to, like, get out into nature and the outdoors. Everyone will benefit from that.
0: Yeah, after this podcast, I'm going to go on a long walk through Golden Gate Park because it's a beautiful day out. And, um, you know, as long as you keep six feet away, you can be out in the world. Yeah, I I think that the self-care it's, it's really important that the self-care is the best way to help others right now. And what an unusual environment where we are in a crisis. There is an uh, unfolding disaster occurring, and the best thing we can do is just stay home and take care of ourselves. And in a way, there's medicine in that. And part of how I've been talking about this crisis is what about this virus is medicine? You know, what about this experience? Where's the opportunities? How can we grow? And when you can't go outside, you sort of have to go inside. And that's that's a really powerful thing, I think.
1: It's tremendously powerful. For me, I, I feel a two di- diametrically proposed concepts within me simultaneously very much. One is do something and the other one is stop, do nothing. And so I think there's value in both and a balance. But is this the time at which you need to organize everything in your life and do all your taxes and get everything done? Yeah, totally. Here's your opportunity, your home, all those other things that you're going to do probably aren't happening right now get those things done and simultaneously it's okay not to it's okay okay to just be present um being present in your body in that moment that is of tremendous value as well so don't start beating yourself up if you've not like you know written that screenplay that you were desperately waiting to write and it's not done yet and you're not ready to go like it's okay to just be be with yourself there's tremendous healing in that
0: hmm Yeah. I mean, I think that you were talking about Vipassana, which I've also done. This has an element of Vipassana to it, this element of kind of going inward and feeling your feelings. You know, when you're unable to distract yourself in the same way, then certain things you've been avoiding ultimately bubble up. And yes, that can manifest itself as a mental health crisis. It can also manifest itself as a profound opportunity. If we are wise in the way we care for ourselves and others and you know my parents are both quarantined in new mexico my dad's making bread for some reason i don't know that i've never known my dad to make bread before and i'm checking in on them regularly and i'm I'm checking in on so many people and there's something very precious and special about that in spite of the incredibly dire circumstances and how harmful this is to so many people there are aspects of it that are quite beautiful
1: yeah, and it's a great opportunity to look into trying a hobby that you haven't tried before. For me, like in the small amount of free time I've had recently, doing a bunch of woodworking, carpentry, building stuff, I love that. I have a bunch of old solar panels that a police department had been getting rid of. They're old ones, to put new ones in. So I picked up a, a bunch of large 100-watt solar panels very, very inexpensively. And so I've been devi- de- like designing an entire new electrical solar generation system in my backyard Stuff that's fun and different and and is maybe not what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Here's
0: a chance to try something new. So at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about how you're going to know in the next couple of days whether you're going to be called to the front lines as a medical professional. And does that prospect frighten you at all? Are you at all scared of of getting this disease? Are you?
1: No. I'm excited for the opportunity. This is a great opportunity to do something new, to do something different. I have made this part of my career, rapidly deploying medical systems and remote austere environments, not unlike emergency situations. And this is a tremendous opportunity to implement the things that I've learned into practice. Whether that's going to be me just Doing my job in a hospital, working the front lines there, or doing it in a slightly different, slightly more outside the box way, will be determined. But the things that I have learned from doing festival medicine um, have informed every aspect of my practice, and I'm excited at the opportunity to utilize those in a different way.
0: When you said the things you've learned doing festival medicine, what are some examples of things you've learned doing festival medicine that perhaps someone with a le- with a more traditional medical background might not have those same skills that you can bring to the table now for this crisis?
1: You know, things like through Festival Medicine, I have had lots of opportunities to learn to remember that it's not about me, and it's about them. Mm. And when someone is in distress, they're going to present that way, and that's going to look a hundred different ways. And if I feel within myself an emotional reaction because someone is doing something that doesn't feel great to me that I need to remember that that is a person in distress whether or not that person is on psychedelics or whether or not that person is just in distress because they are in pain or they haven't eaten food or drank water for two days and they haven't slept and they're beat up and learning to hold space no matter what the presentation of that patient looks like no matter how they're they're communicating, no matter what's going on with them, to just remember that it's, it's uh, about them. I, you know, people on large amounts of psychedelics oftentimes look similar to, patient, to patients with psychosis or schizophrenia or in a manic episode. They can oftentimes appear very similar. And so the cross training I've gotten between working directly in mental health and emergency psych and working with patients who are on psychedelics there's so much i've learned from it and needless to say there are a lot of folks in right now who are not who are either in a hospital or going to soon be in a hospital in a state of distress because they are sick or oftentimes it's the family members of the sick person who are in tremendous distress those are really good skills for utilizing
0: yeah I, i really appreciate that perspective I think we all need to be mindful of who's most vulnerable and who's most vulnerable isn't necessarily simply who's most vulnerable to this particular illness, you know, people with pre-existing conditions and people, elders, but also who is most vulnerable economically, who is most vulnerable psychologically, how can we how can we really be there for the people who need us most, especially for those of us who have a roof over our head, are able to work from home? You know what, what can we do? Because it, we're mobilized for war right now. We all need to show up. And you know, my woofer training may pull me into something important. And it sounds like you will be called to the front lines yourself. Yep,
1: absolutely. Like I said, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. Make sure I take care of myself so I can take care of others. You know, say thank you. Say thank you to the healthcare providers in your life. When you run into when you run into folks, you know, say thank you for your service. Stay home so so we can go to work <laughs> for you. Right.
0: Mm. And where should people be getting their information right now?
1: I think the CDC is really the best one to highlight any particular news outlet. Right now, for me, it seems there's a lot of stuff going on out there. NPR. NPR has got great, poignant, and relevant stuff.
0: And for people who are experiencing any kind of medical emergency and are nervous about this overburdened healthcare, what would you say to those people as the hospitals start to fill up? If you're you're experiencing a medical emergency,
1: you should call 911. That is absolutely the right thing to do. If you, again, are having chest pain, if you're having difficulty breathing, these things are medical emergencies. If you have health insurance and or you have the opportunity to call and you know lots of different folks have access to some sort of a nurse advice line, that is also an okay. Don't it, If you're not sure whether or not this thing is an emergency and you feel safe doing so, calling a nurse advice line is a really good thing. If you do need to go to a hospital, A, make sure that you have whatever can do whatever you can to minimize the risk of you transmitting your potential coronavirus infection to others. And, you know, urgent care is an appropriate place for a lot of things that end up in the ER. A lot of things go to the emergency department that could be in an urgent care and emergency departments have plenty of emergencies they're dealing with right now. So make sure that it's going to the right place.
0: And how can people support you? and follow your work and help you in the way that you're helping us and also help you for the festival world as it someday returns
1: an excellent question if you go to rgxmedical.com i guess i should post up some opportunities there for um people to donate their um, time and effort and energy i will put something together for that this
0: weekend cool well we're going to we're going to publish this tomorrow so we'll um, update those links as they become available but um, just heading to your website is probably the best way of connecting with you. rgxmedical.com Everyone should
1: just remember that this will come to an end and things will be different but they won't necessarily be that different and that it is important to maintain community and when we are ready to go out and meet again, that there is going to be one heck of a party going on.
0: I love it. it. Yeah. Develop that vaccine and we will have an incredible party. (laughs) Well, thanks for all your advice and thanks for making me and I'm sure our listeners feel a little more confident and in capable Wolverine hands. (laughs) Thank you for having me on. I'll see you out there. Thank you for joining us for Life is a Festival. If you liked the show, you can support it by sharing it with your friends, following it on Spotify, or reviewing it on iTunes. If you'd like to get more involved, you can join our Facebook group, Life is a Festival, where we talk about the show and you can suggest new guests. If you really liked the show and maybe want a little bit more, visit my digital tip jar at Patreon lifeisafestival.com. Whatever you do, I hope today's podcast helps you make your life just a little bit more like a festival, and I'll see you on the dance floor. How did the podcast go? I think this went great. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Did Is there any anything I missed, anything you wanted to talk about today, or anything that in the world of festival medical, I know we're very focused on the current crisis, which is just the nature of being in a crisis, anything we missed today? I mean, there's there's
1: the the nature of what's going on right now, like I said, is it'd be a very different conversation if this took place, you know, a month ago. But things really are just moving and changing really, really fast right now. And so, like, I, there's so many things that I'm going to be able to point to soon and be like, do this, do this, do this. And right now, I don't want to jump and point anything one specific direction if that turns out to be not relevant tomorrow. So I think this went great and definitely had a lot of good content to it. And I just, you know, there will be so very much more probably very quickly right now. Cause it's just a bunch of fucking guesses as to what's happening with, you know, we, we've are getting more and more data as to what the progression of this disease looks like and what the treatment looks like. And it's evolving day by day. So, you know, we'll have exponentially more information tomorrow. You know,
0: so I'm I'm excited to see how things progress. Well, yeah, it sounds like I chose the exact wrong time to interview you. <laughs> if it's like, you know, if we a month ago it would have been one thing, in a week it would be one thing. Maybe I got oh, you right of, when everything's moving.
1: Yeah, I mean, sort of yes and sort of no. I think that there's uh probably. Uh, Is there a bunch of stuff there that people have not heard before? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Is it hearing it from somebody who is a medical professional and, I mean, definitely many people in this community trust? Is that a good thing? Yeah, I think that's a good thing. But yeah, there's going to be really good stuff happening. I wish
0: I knew what tomorrow looked like for me. Well, I I mean, I imagine you're probably going to get deployed in some way. I mean, considering the landscape. But we shall. I guess we time will tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm used to being the captain of a ship. I'm used to being the captain of with a, with a real large crew behind me that I bring to bear. You know, like what does it take to run medical for something like lightning in a bottle or symbiosis gathering? I need to have a really solid crew of people who are behind me who are like, let's do this. And for the next six months, I might either choose to figure out the right the right way of implementing that team and bringing that trying to bring that team forward as a team or the right thing is to just step back and just like get on the fucking front lines and just go and treat patients one at a time and that is you know like I'm figuring that out each day i just uh, literally haven't had fucking time cuz i've been on phone calls with people for eight for all day long every day so far emergency planning, stuff like that. And also like, hey, I am currently having these symptoms. Should I go to the hospital? <laughs> and so I haven't had the time in the last couple of days to start to form up exactly what that looks like for me.
0: But I'll figure it out. I'll let is you know. It, is it helpful? Is this conversation helpful in in helping you distill whats what it is that you want to do? Like has has our conversation been something yeah. where yeah. you've felt any more clarity? now than at the beginning of it in terms of what you think is the best way that you can support
1: i think that there will be post-processing time in which i will reflect back on this conversation in the next hour in the next day and be able to more integrate the stuff that i was that was coming out of my mouth in real time and that i was listening to from you so you know it's it's it's
0: one day a time for me at the moment you know? Yeah. I think for all of us, well, we got a little extra couple of minutes at the end that I just snuck in, snuck in some, (laughs) snuck in some extra interviewing. It's interesting too, because for me as an interviewer, you know, things are moving so fast and I'm so concerned about, you know, I don't want to put out any noise when there's so much noise, you know, I want to make sure that who I'm choosing to interview for my show at this time, is A, someone that people know and respect and want to hear from, and B, is going to offer something that is relevant and helpful in a constantly iterating situation, in a, a rapidly changing environment. And I appreciate that you hesitate to share any, like, this is what's happening. Yeah, um, it's because it's
1: really no one knows. And anyone who tells you that they know is full of shit. <laughs> because... We're starting to get a hold on it. We're starting to get a hold on it, but it's a slow, but it's just, we just need a bigger data set. You know, coronaviruses are not new to us, but this particular coronavirus and the way that it is spreading is very new. And we are still, I mean, look up cytokine storm. You know, it's not pneumonia that's killing people. It's ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And that is a like enhanced immune response thing. It's interesting. And so we're still trying to figure out exactly how to manage this. And it's becoming clear day in, day, day in, day out. But
0: well, at this I, point,
1: you know, I've got at least two people who I know personally, and I haven't seen them in a couple months, who have been in the hospital for greater than a week with, an, with a temperature over 102 degrees sustained for a week in the hospital, you
0: know, and that's people I know. We don't know much, but we do know that sheltering in place is the very best thing that we can do until we know more. Correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That is it. 100%. Yeah.
1: Just everyone just hold on for a week or two. We'll figure things out. DanSafe is, uh, I think they haven't finalized it, but they're coming out with a campaign that's, uh, I think, going to be called Party in Place or Party at Home. I'm arguing for Party in Place. I think it sounds better. <laughs> that is going to be like some good home harm reduction tip stuff. So I think that's gonna be really good too. So there's a lot yeah. of good stuff coming
0: out of it. Yeah. Well, um, thanks again. We we kind of ended the podcast and then jumped back into it, which <laughs> I like doing. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for your time, Wolverine. And thanks for all you do for this community. And I hope that sometime soon we will be at a festival together. Hopefully not in the medical tent because I have taken a Dumb dose of something. Um, you don't <laughs> but, have to uh, do some dumb. You can just come by and say hi. We will take you however you come. Well, you know, I, I, I will. I, I love coming by at the medical and saying hi to everybody, and I love also doing dumb things. So. It'll be some combination. I, you, should of the come and,
1: you should come and volunteer. I like, I can't currently cite any festivals coming up that are the one that you should volunteer for, but you should come volunteer to a festival. I'll have you on my staff and you can, and you can, you know, use your woofer and do some basic first aid and you'll get to actually see and, you know, to whatever degree is appropriate, participate in some more significant and more advanced medical stuff. EKG monitoring, like actually seeing like what that sort of thing looks like, what more advanced interventions look like. Yeah, just come out and volunteer for something.
0: Ooh, that sounds like a great idea. Well, when festivals return someday, I will volunteer in the festival medical tent and learn more medicine. So,
1: Yep, yep. That's how it starts. Like I said, I became an EMT just because I wanted to know what to do in an emergency. I had a crazy week where I had three medical emergencies happen around me and over the course of like four days. And I was standing there being like, it'll be okay. And then I was like, I'm tired of not actually having a better answer than that. And so I, the next day, signed up for UCLA's EMT school and got my EMT immediately. And I was like, cool, now I know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, years later, my entire career has transitioned from business to medicine. And that's how it starts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I got my woofer. So who knows? Maybe I'll be a brain surgeon by the end of this year. And (laughs) what happened. I mean, I don't (laughs) know
1: about this year, but it's a start. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, it's been a real pleasure.
1: look forward If you personally have any questions at any time about anything related to this stuff, feel free to call me on my cell phone. You've got my cell phone number. Just give me a ring. It's not bothering me. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. It's nice to know somebody that you can call. Heck yeah. That's what I'm here for.